Thanks. Um, that was a tie praying on your behalf for you to be attentive and to, you know, how hard it is to fall asleep is his gracious way of saying, Dan sort of has a real roundabout way of doing things sometimes and he can be hard to understand. So you guys need all the help you can get. Uh, but thank you, bro. I really appreciate that. Uh, there's, we're in a series actually. Um, the, the Alpha, we've been doing the Alpha series uh, here in the evenings and we've covered a bit of ground. I had a bit of a scare actually at, at the 4 p.m. when I was about to preach there um, and uh, my, my boss for the moment while uh, Nathan's, Nathan's away, uh, Andrew came to me and said, what are you preaching on again? The Holy Spirit? And I was like, oh my goodness, that's not the topic that I did. Um, but, I, and then I sent a text to Ty going, hey, what topic am I meant to be doing? And he didn't reply. So uh, we're doing, how does God guide us? And, and so uh, I feel like he's guided me in a very, very interesting way um, today, uh, or this whole week actually in preparing this sermon. So uh, it's good to be talking uh, here about um, God's guidance. The, there's two ways you could probably do this. One is um, talking really sort of practically about ways that God does and can actually guide. Um, so um, Trav talked last week about Scripture and that being the um, predominantly the main way that God does um, communicate to us. Uh, then there, there's the Spirit of God um, speaking and leading and compelling us. Uh, there's wise counsel people who we trust and we know uh, in relationship with God who can speak into our lives. Uh, and then there's also circumstance, just things the way they pan out, like me getting confused about what uh, I was meant to be preaching on tonight. And then it, I hope being the very word that God wants to speak to us. So um, there, there are different ways that God um, can speak and does speak. But instead of actually highlighting um, those different things and talking about ways that God can do it. I, I thought it'd be great tonight um, for, for it to be a prompt towards faith, actually a prompt towards um, trusting that God is actually guiding you rather than just talking about ways that he might do that. Uh, to, to, to sort of raise up or, or, or speak a word that will prompt faith in you to actually go, yes, I believe that God is guiding me. I trust him. So we've looked at a few different topics. Who is Jesus? Uh, why did Jesus die? Uh, prayer, faith, we looked at the Bible. Uh, so I think we're actually well equipped to go into a, a really good uh, grounded um, discussion on who, um, on, on how God is actually um, guiding us. But to start off, I think it'd be a great, uh, we definitely need to do a bit of groundwork um, on, on what things should actually be, how they were intended, what God's intention is for us, uh, uh, how he intended things to be. I don't know if you ever thought, uh, maybe this is just me and uh, this is, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it makes some sort of sense, but um, have you ever wondered how incredible it would, would be to, to actually be good? Like, you know, right at the core of your being to be good. I don't just mean like to be good at something or to learn to, to do something well or to have the ability to choose to do something good um, uh, in a particular situation or to do good things. I mean to actually be good right at the heart of who you are. 
God's obviously guiding tonight because the, the passage I had here, Matthew 7, 17 to 20, um, Jesus is saying, every tree bears good fruit uh, and a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. So have you ever thought about what, the, what sort of freedom there would be in actually being good at your core? If you think about God, God is the only one who is good. Jesus tells us this. Whatever he wants is good. Whatever he wills is good. Whatever he does is good. So he can never actually do anything that's not good. He doesn't even have to think about it. He just does and and it's good. He cannot do anything that's contrary to his own nature. There's an incredible freedom in that, don't you think? Imagine not having to think whether something is wrong or right before you do it. Imagine just living in the freedom of doing what you want and it only ever being good. There's almost like this contradiction for us. We go, because our whole way of thinking is, no, 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 you can't always do what you want because inherent in our thinking is that some, at some point what you want is going to be wrong. But that's never the case for God, never. And that is the only true freedom that there is, to be good. There's no other freedom. What's so beautiful, in fact, about God creating humans is that his intention for us is to be his image, to somehow to participate in his goodness, for us to be good at the very core of our being, not because we're good of ourselves, but because he is at the core of our being living through us. This is God's intention. We were created for freedom in the image of God. His intent for us is to participate in who he is, to have all goodness and love flowing freely through us without ever second guessing. And if that were the reality that we were living in today, the question, how does God guide us, would be completely redundant. God would be living through us seamlessly. We wouldn't even be thinking about it. We would be truly in his image. But the fact that we are asking that question here this evening is because that doesn't seem to be the reality that we are experiencing. We're constantly battling anxiety over whether we're making the right decision or not, whether we're in the right relationship, whether that right person is the whether, whether that person is the right one, if I'm in the right career, in the right location, whether I'm studying the right thing. At the same time, we're battling evil evil thoughts, desires, temptations. We're trying to gauge when we're doing things, even when we know them to be right, whether our intentions or our motives are right. All of that is the exact opposite of freedom, what we're talking about here. The freedom we see in God and the freedom that he intends for us as humans. I guess the question for us is when, when, did, when did, or how did we end up here? When did, um, 
knowing what is right becomes so convoluted? When, when did it become so hard, even when we have a sense of what is right, to actually um, do it or have a sense of doing it with the right motives? When did we become so self-aware, self-conscious of our own decisions? Where did we get this idea that, that we've got to sort of stand um, a, apart from, from um, two different ways and, and we've got to have the power to, to choose what is good and what is right? Where did this idea of being the masters of our own destiny come from? The scriptures give us actually this incredible insight uh, right at the beginning of where the root of all our problems are. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but Adam and Eve, before they sinned, were actually living in the freedom we've been talking about. Uh, they, they could actually just go about and do uh, whatever they pleased because whatever they pleased was good. Maybe you might be thinking, well, do you know what I mean? What about, what about the fact that they were told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Um, that, that was there, that, 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 that command was instituted, and yet they, they, they were fine with that. They were just living their life, living their best life, in fact. Uh, that It wasn't alluring to them. There wasn't this predisposition to sin that, that was already in them. There, there wasn't that. They weren't constantly second-guessing, thinking, is this right or, or, or is that wrong? Did I get the name of that animal right? Bible joke, no? For those of you who don't know, one of their first tasks or Adam's first task was to name uh, the animals. So he wasn't wondering whether he'd got it right or wrong. Still no laughter. The disposition to sin, the introduction of this second guessing in Adam and Eve came actually from outside of them. This is what we're told. A serpent, Satan, the way it started is actually a lot more familiar to us practically in our everyday lives than this picture that, we've been, that, that we have of freedom, you know, the real freedom that is in God. At the heart of the issue, Satan actually uh, is selling Eve a picture a false picture of what it means to be God and this picture that he gives is so contrary to the very nature of who God is. This is, this is important, I think, for us to understand because what Satan does is actually very crafty. It's, it's called, uh, you know, that's, that's what Scripture tells us. Is he, he's crafty, um, more, more um, wise in a sense than all the other animals, but, but he paints this picture of God, of, of what being a God is. Um, and it's, and it, the picture is of a God who is outside of good and evil. Think about, think about good and evil um, being, being decisions and God is outside of those two things. That to, to be all powerful and all powerful being is to be able to be outside of good and evil and to choose either one. That's the picture of, of what um, Satan's idea of God is. It's a, it's a God of free will. In fact, that's what Satan thinks that he is. He thinks he's, he's outside somehow of good and evil and he can choose whenever he wants, whether he does good or whether he does evil. We've seen what the case is with God 
It's not that he, he stands outside of good and evil and he chooses whether he does good or evil. No, he is good. Good is who he is. And he can only ever do good because that is his nature. Jesus speaks of, of this idea that Satan is planting of, of standing apart from good and evil and being able to choose and do them. Um, the way that Jesus speaks is it's an impossibility. That's the very thing that, that Matt was talking about. Um, Matt, um, Matthew, the, in the actual book, um, Matt and Matthew say this. Um, chapter seven, verses 17 to 20, this is what Jesus says. Every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will know, you will know them by their fruits. Satan thinks that to be God is to have free will to do either good or evil, to stand outside of good and evil as a judge. Satan thinks that he has his own power to do good or evil. And in fact, that's actually why he can masquerade as an angel of light because he thinks he can do good, but when he's doing the good, he's not. It's a lie. It just looked, it might look good on the surface, but at its very heart, it is dead. It's evil. John 8, 44, Jesus says this of Satan, Satan was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Think of the thought process of Satan here. Uh, it's complete self-determinism. I am my own, I have power in myself to choose to do good and evil, I have power in myself to do good or evil as I choose. But that is not who God is. To be God is not having the ability to choose good, it is to be good. He doesn't stand outside of good, good is defined by who God is. It is impossible for God to lie or act contrary to who he is. He is freedom and his freedom is good. The true God is free in his goodness. Satan, the false God of this world, thinks that he is greater than the true God because he has this seeming choice and power to do good or evil. Because he, because he thinks that is the very reason that he's a slave to his own lie. Our dilemma of choice actually comes directly from Satan. Throughout human history, we've never been able to shake this idea that if we just were to know what is right to do, if we just have that knowledge then we will have the power to do it. We'll do it. As if, as if we were this impartial person that, that can logically assess what is good and evil and then has power in themselves to do the good. 
at the heart of this thinking is actually Satan. He's the one who thinks that it's possible to be an objective viewer and to make a determination ourselves whether something is good or not and then have the power to do either one. For us to think in that way is to actually receive the lie of Satan. Human nature hinges on either the truth of God or the lie of Satan. We will be like the ones we believe, either God or Satan. Not because we ourselves can act in accordance with who they are, as if we see God there and Satan there, and then we, we, we conform ourselves to their image, but because the one you believe in begins to manifest their nature in you. In fact, it's, it's even more entrenched than that. The, the, the Bible talks about um, this in absolute terms of, of being a slave. It, it's not a choice anymore whether you do right or wrong. The one you believe in owns you and you will do what your master wants. We've already seen this. Jesus said, you know, it's clear that a good tree only produces good and never evil and a bad tree only evil and never good. And no one is good but God. Paul goes even further and says, if sin is your master, which, is, which seems to be this default state that we're in, then, then you're effectively the walking dead. Uh, it doesn't matter what the fruit looks like. It may look good on the outside, but it does not produce life. On the other hand, if God is your master, then you are alive in Christ. This is what he says in Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, doing the will of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. Jesus in John 8, 34 to 36 says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. Now the slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. Those who set themselves as outside of good and evil, as if they could choose sin one moment and then choose to do good the next, are actually deceived. To think that we have power to know good and evil and then to enter into them of ourselves is not freedom. It's actually an indicator that we are slaves to evil. A, a will, this is what Paul, the, the picture that Paul paints, a will that is a slave to righteousness, that is devoted in service to God, is perfect freedom. A will that only ever does good from the heart, not because it can see good from the outside and then choose it, 
as it, uh, with its own power to do it, but because good, the very person of God, is at the center of who you are. That is freedom. To love God and always do what you want and for it to always be right, not because you chose it, but because it is the will of your Father working in you. That is the will of a child of God, of, of, of the image of God. And we see this actually clearly in Jesus, who is the perfect image of the invisible God. We've got to be really clear here. The, the, um, Jesus is so clear about this. In, in Matthew 5 20, he says, Unless your righteousness far surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Pharisees are, 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 and the teachers of the law are the picture of doing good things, things that look good, things that seem good, things that, that, that they have looked at and gone, this is wrong, this is right. Now we, of our own power, will do these good things. Jesus is saying the righteousness has to surpass that. And the only way is for, for right at the core of your being to be good and for you to be that tree that works from that space that can only produce good fruit. And God is that only goodness. Where does that leave us if we have a sense here, even tonight, that, that we, we, we don't know what that freedom is? If we, if we feel buffeted from every side by doubts and choices and temptations. I don't wanna minimize the fact that, that many of us here will be facing big decisions in your life. How does God guide us? The reality is that God is always guiding us in every single circumstance. What to us may even seem like the most menial of events uh, is actually loaded with God's intention. Nothing that happens is void of his intention for us. Whether you can believe this or not, not a hair falls from your head or a leaf from a tree without it being charged with God's intention to have you revealed as his child, as a son or daughter of God. For those of you uh, who have believed in Jesus here tonight, when you believed in him, you came to know forgiveness of sins. You came to know that the Father is one who loves you, who does not count your sins against you, but is committed to you, has always been committed to you, and will always be committed to you, drawing you to himself. You came to know this. Paul actually talks about this as a transfer of ownership. He says, once you were a slave to sin, now you are a child of God, a slave to righteousness. If, if that idea of a slave to righteousness doesn't seem appealing, think of that, that picture of God. That's what it means to have good at the very core, to be a good tree, to only produce good fruit and never bad. Complete freedom. 
Ephesians 2. Uh, Paul goes on from where we were reading, 3 to 10. Uh, I'll, I'll cover that. I'll just read the last verse that we read there. So all of us once lived among them, uh, the world, in the passions of our flesh, doing the will of the flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he's raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ so that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works so that no one may boast for we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we may walk in them. In all of this, we are not our own. We were bought with a very great price. We were bought with Christ. In fact, the reality is we were never our own. Once we were slaves to sin, dead, doing the works of our father, the devil, and now we have been freed from him and tied to God, made alive in Christ. God is our father. Rather than thinking the thoughts of the devil and believing his lies, we, we believe from the heart that the reality of who God is, is revealed in Jesus. We know him, we see him. We believe he is sovereign over all things and if sovereign, then he's guiding us in all things towards the revelation of himself in us for our world. God at the heart of our very being, nothing less, a good tree bearing good fruit. And where is he guiding us to? He's moving us towards greater faith and a deep inner rest that he is our life, that we are no longer slaves to the old way of living, but we are free indeed to do the very good works that he has planned for us to do. If he planned them, he will make sure that we are guided into doing them. Again, this is a, this is a prompt to faith. Faith in Jesus, not, this is not a method, this, there's no methodology here. Faith in who he is and what he's doing, not, not faith in our own choices or our own ability to understand or discern what is outwardly good. He is guiding you towards manifesting himself and he has not failed in his guiding, nor will he ever fail. We were seeing that very thing. Faith in Jesus is faith in him as our forgiveness, as our very good, as our life. He is our way. He is our salvation. Those who have come to put your trust in him, you know these things. And if that's the case, then you can already continue to walk by faith that he is everything good in you. 
that you have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life and light. Christ is in you as your life to live through you. You don't actually stand in this no man's land that's outside of good and evil, constantly having to, 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 of your own power and your own discernment, go, yes, I wanna do this. Oh, oh now I did that. And constantly um, um, flicking between the two. That picture of you apart from good and evil is, is the very picture of Satan. That place doesn't exist, being apart from good and evil and having the power to, to do them of yourself. It does not exist. You have been raised by God with Christ and are seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not only is he guiding you from the outside, but from the inside. Our desire to do what is right is his desire in us. And our power to carry it out is him in us. The lie of self-determinism is actually crumbling within us. Satan's hold has failed. The promise that he had once given us to be like God, knowing good and evil, has only left us confused and doubting ourselves, guilty of past decisions that we've made and anxious about the future decisions that we are yet to make. And praise God that that has so clearly failed us, that promise, the promise of Satan. Because now we can trust Jesus. God has been guiding us even when we did not know it. Maybe even think how you ended up here today. Maybe here physically, but, but more than that, how, how where you are currently now in your life, God has brought you here to this very place. There's not a moment in your life where he wasn't involved in bringing you to the place of receiving his love and his life in Jesus, drawing you into the good works that he has planned for you to do. More and more, we will find that we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds, having the mind of Christ as we walk in the faith that he is our life, that we are not our own. And as, as that happens, we will be able to prove what the will of God is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. In fact, we should even rejoice because the question is really, how isn't he guiding us? There's no, there's no way that he's not guiding us. In everything, he is guiding us. Not one thing is happening without him being the one guiding us. If God is for us, who can be against us? This is the joy of the one who has come to put their faith in Jesus. Perhaps you're here tonight and, and that might seem foreign to you and, and even hard to grasp or even get a sense of. If you haven't come to know that God loves you, that he's actually given himself for you in Jesus to reconcile you to himself, that he is good and that he is guiding you, you are not outside of his guidance, not outside of his love. If 
if there's a sense for you that, you, that you're going, I, I'd love to know that as a reality, but, but I just don't know if I can believe. There's a desire that goes, yes, I want to know that, but, but I, don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to enter into that. Then there is an opportunity for you with that desire, just with the desire that you have to cast yourself to, in your heart, just, just to, to maybe, you, maybe you believe, but it's a belief, a belief against belief or a belief against hope in a sense. Maybe it seems so small, just with whatever you have to put your trust in Him. To believe that He has done everything required for you to know forgiveness, for you to know his love, and more than that, for you to know good, his very person, his life at the core of your being. He has been guiding you toward giving up trust in yourself to put your trust in him. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, a beautiful passage, says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Maybe it feels like you, you can't, you don't understand. Don't, that's fine, don't worry about that. In all your ways, submit to him and he will direct your path. So whether you have known him, whether you, whether you know him now, whether your faith is in him or whether it's not and, and there's just a desire there for it to be. As we worship, as we, as we come to, um, to, to cast ourselves on him as our life to, to renew that faith, we've done that already in communion but let's continue to do that. Let's not stop doing that. Our whole lives are faith. We will walk by faith not by sight. Let's not, let's not start with faith. Let's not start in the, in the spirit and then move back to that old way of thinking, thinking that we have to determine, like we're, we're self-determinate beings trying to, trying to sort things out ourselves, trying to see what's good and what's right ourselves and then do them ourselves. Let's not fall back into that way of thinking. Let's not, let's not try to perfect in the flesh what was started in the spirit. So as we worship, let's cast ourselves on him. Put your faith in recognizing and realizing and reckoning that you are dead to sin in Christ and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That is the beauty that we're invited into and asked, pleaded with even, to step into and to, and to enter into the reality of. And so let's, let's do that. Let's pray and then we'll worship. And you can do that in your heart as you worship. Put your faith in him as your life, Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you. Father is what we say. Abba, Father. Our spirits cry it. You are our life. You are at the heart of everything. You alone are good. 
There is no tree apart from you that can produce good fruit. And yet you plan for good works to be done by us in advance. And that must mean that you are at the centre of all of that. You at the centre of our life. You as our life. And we see that very reality in Christ Jesus who reconciles us to you. Forgiveness of sins, cutting us off from the old way, planting us in the kingdom of the Son you love. We wanna know this reality in all its fullness. Give us eyes to see, dispel the lie, the lie of Satan that wants us to concern ourselves with with striving, with trying to come to grips with who you are in our own understanding and then putting forth our own effort. No, 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 no. Free us from that. In Jesus' Name. We want to know all of the power of who you are in us as our life. We want to say along with Paul, in fact, we say it now. We declare that we have been crucified with Christ and nevertheless we live, yet not us, but you who live in us. May it be so in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and put our faith in Him as as we worship. Let's do that.
Worship, and we read in the word, "Ask anything in my name." This is God. This is Jesus speaking. Any, ask anything in my name according to my will, and it will be given. And when we ask for the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to show us who God is, 
to help us to be faithful to God, to love God. He answers those prayers. And I really wanna encourage you. If you're in a place where you're just like, oh, I really wanna follow God and I just don't know how. We also read in the Word that the same power that raised Christ from the grave lives within us. So that is a truth. So it's actually for us to believe that. Even, even when, it's, when we don't have the faith, it's, it's to humbly say, Holy Spirit, I need you and I want you. I don't have it within me, but I wanna follow you. I wanna know you. And whether that's for you every morning, sometimes it feels like every hour that we're praying that, but I encourage you. And, and we all can relate in that. We all need the Spirit. It's beautiful because God, God has made the way for us to know Him. We need to accept that. So let us pray for every single one of us here that we would ask, ask anything in my name according to my will. And that is God's will for us to know Him. So let me pray for us and ask for the Spirit's help. Dearly Father, I thank You that we can ask Your Spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives within us, that is so powerful, all powerful, that You would help us to know You, to love You, to be faithful to You, to love You and to love others. And thank You, Lord, that we can have faith and trust in that because You say that in Your Word. And I pray that we'd encourage one another, we'd spur each other on in Your holy and Your precious Name. Amen. Feel free to take a seat. It's been awesome to have you at church. I did want to say too, if there's anything, um, just, just as you're um, here tonight, there's things that you want prayer for, maybe in your life, you're really wanting to seek God and have His guidance in all areas of your life to know Him, to know what that looks like, to follow Him. We'd love to pray for you. So there's a crew down at the prayer lounge. So if you'd love to head back, they would, they would love to pray for you. And there's a few of us down the front as well. And we'd also love to pray. Um, so have a great week. Make sure you head out, grab a feed, um, sit in the courtyard together. Uh, but thanks for coming along to church and we'll see you next week.